Do you want something new for your child? Whether they're a teen or a young adult, invite them to try something new, something where they can meet great people, have fun, and be accepted as themselves. And at the same time, they'll learn mindfulness practices and communication skills they can use to help themselves create inner balance and harmony, create focus and follow through, or to just plain feel good. All of this is happening at IBME's New Year's online retreats for teens and young adults. You can learn more and register on Inward Bound Mindfulness Education's website, ibme.com. This episode of the Mighty Parenting Podcast is sponsored by Inward Bound Mindfulness Education. Okay, mamas. It's here. Help for finding time for what matters most. I know how hard it is to be a parent and follow a passion at the same time. Whether you want to work, run a business, travel, or take better care of yourself, I want you to be able to do it and love your family. I believe that when we get to follow our passions, it makes us better parents. So I've created a lesson showing you how I started finding time for things other than being mommy. It's the same method that I use in coaching my clients, and you can get the video lesson at sandyfowler.com slash find-time. sandyfowler.com slash find-time. Welcome to Mighty Parenting, a podcast with real, raw, and relevant talk about raising teens and parenting young adults. Welcome to Mighty Parenting, a community where we help you raise teens and parent 20-somethings so they can become happy, successful, and emotionally healthy adults. I'm Sandy Fowler, stress relief coach, emotional wellness speaker, and host of the Mighty Parenting Podcast. And I just want to remind you to pop over to mightyparenting.com and grab your free email series on how to talk to your teen. There is a lot of frustration for parents around our kids' use of technology. I hear from parents, they're complaining about what kids are doing, they're worried about their kids and tech use, social media. We've heard experts tell us some of the negative impacts around social media and bullying, the sleep disturbance that can come with smartphones. And I've heard a lot of conjecture from parents about these issues that technology creates. But I don't like to dwell on the negative side of that. Tech is here to stay, and it's not all bad. It, we've seen definitely through the season of COVID that there's a lot of benefit to having technology in our life. And so let's look at tech and the benefits it brings us, how we can embrace it and use it in a healthy way. And helping us with that today is Kai Hersher, who is joining us to help us find a good path. Kai is the founder of Tech Siesta, where she helps us awaken to tech life balance. Kai, welcome to Mighty Parenting. Thank you so much, Sandy. It's good to be here. It is good to be here. It was good chatting with you ahead of the show. And you asked me if we were going to talk about how we met. And I was like, I don't know. And I guess, yes, we are. Because I (laughs) met Kai, what what was it, about a year and a half ago? I think it was more like three. (laughs) Three years ago? No, really? Yes. Oh, my goodness. So we were both getting certified in a yoga nidra practice. And she is just a beautiful soul. And I have missed seeing her. And when we met then, she mentioned casually she was doing this work around tech. 
And then when we connected again and I went, oh my goodness, yes, we absolutely have to share what you're doing with our Mighty Parenting community because technology is such a, I don't know, it's almost a scary topic for many families and many parents. And yet, like I said, I know that I love my tech and I generally feel like it's a positive influence in our lives. Not that it can't get away from us, but, um, but having Kai here to, to bring together all the different kinds of work she does and bring forth into the area of technology, what she's doing, I think is beautiful. And Kai, can you maybe share with us a little, just a little, your perspective on technology? Sure. Um, I am absolutely pro-tech, love technology, and I'm also very aware of the rigorous cutting-edge science and the pitfalls associated with technology. And so what I do and what other teachers do in the Digital Wellness Institute is we educate CEOs, parents, healthcare providers, etc., on how to thrive and how to use technology in the most optimal way, which is referred to um, as digital wellness. And we use something called the flourishing wheel, which takes into account the many aspects of our lives so that we can, again, optimize our use. And I love that. But let's back up just a little and go, why do we even need to worry about this? You know, you mentioned some of the cutting edge science and while we're saying there are positive sides to technology, I do believe that science is showing us that there are some negative effects and particularly on our kids as well. Is that true? Absolutely. <laughs> there are many negative, uh, potential negative effects. Um, you know, technology uses uh, the hook model and we become, um, we become trained much like the Pavlovian experiment where there's a trigger and then an action um, and we have a variable reward. So for instance, the likes for social media, we get a dopamine hit. We have hormones involved and at different ages, they take on a greater impact than others. Um, and so that's why understanding all of these things, understanding the science and behaviors and positive habit formation is so important so that we can put a cog in the wheel and make uh, choices around our tech use and understand the misuse. Nomophobia, the fear of being without your phone is now, that has now shifted from kind of a personality trait to an actual phone um, addiction. So this is an emerging field um, and an important one to become involved with. Just for me personally, I know that I have seen some of these things happen. When I switched phones two years ago, when I set up the new phone, I set it up to have zero notifications. And it was just fascinating to see the difference in how that impacted me. <laughs> I still had all my social media, my email, everything was on there. But the only notifications I had popping up were telephone calls and text messages. So everything else was kind of, I felt like it was under my control. Instead of it jerking me around, I was deciding when to go in, when to see it, what I wanted to do with it. And it was such a relief 
it just took that pressure off that we feel. And so thinking about our kids, you mentioned that social, you mentioned the idea of social media creating this reward system with these intermittent rewards, which is Pavlov's dogs. We've all heard mm-hmm. about that. We are Pavlov's dogs. Oh, if you do this, then you'll get this little bit of kibble. But sometimes, not always, so you have to do it more and more to make sure you get the kibble. But I think about that and go, wow, you know, I'm an adult in theory, a mature adult. <laughs> and I had struggled with that a bit. So is the impact greater on our kids with their developing brains and their hormonal systems being kind of out of whack? Well, it impacts all of us. And to your point, modeling um, healthy tech use is the most important thing that we can do. And 46% of uh, school-aged children say that they feel their parents are overly dependent on their phone. 8.5% of youth are severely nomophobic. 72% are moderate and 20% are mildly nomophobic. I mean, there, is, there are issues. 83% of college students sleep with or next to their phone. And one in, two, one in five people would rather go without shoes for a week than take a break from their phone. So clearly, clearly there are issues. Clearly there are issues. Um, And this is, as I said, this is an emerging problem. This is the largest unregulated social experiment of our time. And so it's, I think it's really important as a professional, as a parent, as a human being, as a woman, as a mother, um, to you know, permission to be human, as Tal Ben-Shahar says, uh, really permission to be human. And this is new for us. We usually have a map for things and we really don't have a a map for this. So we are in new territory. So being compassionate with ourselves as parents, being compassionate with our children and pausing to better understand what they're going through, I think is a really important first step. Well, there are two things in there. First, I just briefly want to touch on, you said 46% of school-age children say their parents are too dependent on their phones. Overly dependent, yeah. Overly dependent. And where my brain extrapolated to was the impact on their relationship with us. Because to me, if they're seeing us as overly dependent on the phone, they're seeing that as the phone being more important than them, that we are more immersed in our phone than we are with our own child, that there's going to be a disappointment, a sadness, a fear, a frustration, some negative emotion for them around that, even if they don't realize it. Well, I don't know because each person is so highly different, but I would say that um, they're noticing and they're watching what we're doing. And we are the role models. And so thus the name of my company, Tech Siesta, which is about really taking a break from tech, putting it down, not because it's bad or wrong in any way, it's wonderful, but taking a break to really come into presence and purpose and noticing those things. I remember when my, I used to drive my daughter to school and it was in those um, moments when she was in the back seat um, and I'm driving that she would share the most intimate 
uh, and beautiful information with me. And those times are precious. And if I had been, you know, if she had been on her phone or some other scenario where tech was involved, I would have missed out on those moments. So we all have those opportunities with our children. Um, so cultivating those, those times is a really important practice for parents. Does that make sense? It does. And I'm thinking about all the times that we're drawn to pick up our phone when you have a moment, when you feel a little bored, or for some of us, when you're feeling anxious or out of sorts, it's almost sometimes soothing like a pacifier, right? It is a pacifier. It is absolutely a pacifier. And let me just say that there's something called mere presence and the mere presence of a phone, even if it's off, um, inhibits our cognitive ability by 60%. Even 60%? if it's off, 60%, which is why at um, major like concerts, like Carnegie Hall, they actually take your phone. You're not allowed to even bring your phone in uh, because you will not experience it in the same way that you would with your phone on you, even if it's off. So this is the research. There's a lot of research out there and it's important to understand its impact on our relationships, on our work uh, within the community. All these things make sense to me because without knowing the terminology, without knowing the science, I've noticed these things myself too. Mm. I'd heard along the way there was someone talked about a family where they had set up a phone station in their entryway of their house. And they had a table there with a charging station, everything else. And that's where everybody left their phones. You could do whatever you wanted, whenever you wanted, spend as much time as you want. I mean, they had some house rules around now at the dinner table and whatnot, but basically the phones stayed there. And so you were consciously choosing to go and spend time on the phone doing whatever it is you were going to do, but then you left it there. And when I heard about that, I decided to experiment myself and picked a spot in my house to leave my phone, uh, an area away from where I would be spending time. So not in the, not in my office space, not in the living room where I'm either spending time with family or I would go to do creative work, not in the kitchen where I'm going to be spend time cooking and chopping and whatever. And I did notice when I was working or when I was doing anything creative, personal, that just not having the phone in the room does make a difference. Mm. And so to have that experience and just being aware, I, I guess I went through a period of time where I worked at becoming aware of how my phone impacted me and then noticing how it impacted my kids. And along the way, one of my daughters had made a comment to me one day about being attached to my phone. And it really threw me because I didn't think that I was. And so I spent a little time with it and realized that I had been using it more in the last week or so for work. I was doing things, but what had happened is it had snuck into family time. Because I was doing some challenges, some things for work, I was popping into social media more, checking my email more, and that had slowly crept into family time. <laughs> oh, I just have to check this. Oh, I'm just going to go there. And it did impact 
my time with her and it changed the way she viewed that and she had noticed it about me. So all these things to me make a lot of sense. Um, and I want to understand more about your idea. You said tech siesta is about taking a break and taking the time to come into presence and purpose. Mm. Can you talk to us more about that? Sure. So what you're describing, what I heard you describe so beautifully with those boxes that people create, they're called all different things, charging stations, detox boxes. Um, And some people keep their phones plugged in and that means they can only use them where they're plugged in and at no other, in no other areas of the house. There are many right ways. There's no one right way, but there's also something called a communication charter which I highly recommend for families where you speak to your teens or children or, or whomever you live with, and you come up with a family charter about where the phones will be used, how they'll be used. Um, and children have a lot of insight into this. Remember that statistics where the statistic where children feel that parents are overly dependent on the phone. So really ask them and inquire Um, What do you think is a reasonable amount of time for you to be on your phone, to be on social media? They know. And how about, you know, regarding family activities, what's reasonable as far as phone use and what do they consider misuse? So really open up the dialogue and speak to youth um, about their insights, desires, and come up with um, a communication charter with your family. Are there, are there areas that it's a good idea in general for families to focus on? Or are there things that it's a good idea for us to say, hey, we hear, for example, we frequently hear no phones in the bedrooms at night because that impacts sleep. You, you said that, uh, what was the percentage of, 83% of college students sleep next to or with their phones. Mm-hmm. And I, I know my 20 something does that. And I do because it's my alarm clock. Mm. Now, you know, I, I have some, <laughs> yeah. And, and I, you know, and I love some more tips about that, but I actually went yeah. through a time where I made concerted effort to find another alarm clock that would work as well for me as that one does. Right. And, and I couldn't, but again, I do, I noticed there's a difference between having that phone there and just having a clock next to the bed. So I'm, I'm curious, as we develop these charters, are there things that we should bring up and say, hey, science shows this, what do we want to do about it for our family? Sure. There's a lot of really important things to bring into it. Um, and they are vast. And that's what we go over in our uh, certificate program. But let me address sleep because it's so important. And it's really important to have tech out of the bedroom. And it's because of health. It's absolutely a health risk to have phones on by your bedside, by your brain throughout the evening because they are emitting uh, at a different frequency. And it's also working with, for many people, fear uh, for parents. Well, I won't get an alert or, but there are clocks. There's one called the lofty alarm clock. Um, There are many clocks that I can talk to you about later that you can try out, but Um, having images on the wall, having your nightstand set up, 
for the practice of letting go. And yoga is called the parigraha. It's the last of the yamas and niyamas, which are moral codes of conduct. And it refers to the practice of non-grasping, non-attachment, letting go of possessions, thoughts, um, and even our check devices. And it's a really important practice for self-resiliency, for self-trust, for resourcefulness, for self-growth. And every cell, every enzyme in our body has a purpose and it needs to repair and regenerate and renew. And so the practice of letting go is essential for good health and disease prevention. So having images of a higher purpose, having work-related items out of the bedroom and bringing in items that reinforce safety and ease um, are a self-care practice. Interesting. Okay. And the phone, even if we think we're not paying attention to it, it sounds like the phone just tethers us to all of our schedules and our relationships and everything else happening in our life. Yeah. The phone is your, yeah, I'm sorry. The phone is your life in your pocket, right? As Steve Jobs Mm -hmm. said, this is your life in your pocket. Well, this is your life by your bed stand and it's all of it. You can't separate, you know, one from the other. It takes up brain space and sleep and preparing for sleep, which is actually a skill and restores your body to health is really important. All right. And I don't know if this goes beyond the scope of what you work on, Kai, but suggestions for helping us to get, and not just teenagers. I know my husband has struggles with letting go of the phone. You know, I had moved mine out when I was experimenting with different alarm clocks and it it was a real struggle for him to even just move it across the room and he never got it out of the room. And I know my kids just look at me and go, well, one shuts hers off completely. So I could probably convince her to get it out of the room. The other one just looks at me and goes, are you crazy? (laughs) I can't do that. So what are some ideas that for encouraging them to do this and hopefully coming up with a family charter that says everybody gets their phone out? Well, you just hit the nail on the head, Sandy, and that is modeling Um, and being human. As I said in the beginning, we are all human. It's okay. Things are difficult. We have grown um, reliant on our phone and some of us to a healthy degree and at various times, all of us to an unhealthy degree. It's just normal. Again, this is new territory. And so by modeling this behavior, we're showing youth what to do. And the communication charter is not about convincing youth. It's about bringing them into the conversation about what they feel is reasonable. And when you fully understand the health risks associated with sleeping uh, with a phone on all night, then you are much more likely to realize Um, it's time to put it out of the room. It's like, you know, bringing in five chocolate cakes and having them by your nightstand when you are diabetic. I mean, there's a health risk there. I put everything in terms of food. I'm very food forward. (laughs) Well, food analogies make sense for me. 
I'm not even diabetic and putting five chocolate cakes on my nightstand will be gone before morning and I won't be sleeping because of the sugar buzz. And the other thing that occurred to me was even when I say, oh, you know, I'm going to keep the phone there and I'm just not going to look at it or whatever. When you brought it over to the food analogy, I realized that now I'm putting out effort to curb my impulses mm-hmm. in a time and a space where I shouldn't have to do that, where my body should be in complete rest and repose and healing mode. Mm, beautiful. Just not as beautiful as five chocolate cakes. Mm, it is. <laughs> it absolutely is. It absolutely is because it allows your senses to work as they should and have a all sensory experience, as you well know from Yoga Nidra. And by getting the proper rest and the restoration, we're that much more able to come into life more fully, be more present, be more focused, be more productive. So it all does affect our work life and our relationships, our communication, our health. But I do want to talk about what social media, because it gets such a bad rap, does for youth, if I may, especially Gen Z. Well, and that's, I wanted to go, okay, so these are some of the concerns that we've had, and and we've talked about that. And technology helps us, and it bolsters us, and it does good things for us. And so I'd like to talk about that, starting with social media. What does it do for Gen Z? Well, young people, you know, they use tech positively for civic engagement, for learning, for entertainment, for self-expression, for creativity. It is their common culture. It's how they communicate. So while there are inherent problems, there is so much good. Well, there are, you said it's their common culture and it, Mm. you said that that's when it hit me. The pro- there are problems that have always existed in teen culture. Mm-hmm. They've just shifted into a different arena, which means that some areas of that have been amplified and some have been squashed a bit and some are, you know, there's more positive coming out and some there's more negative coming out. It doesn't mean that social media in and of itself is inherently a bad thing. It's the way it's being used that's important. Right. Yeah, it's so, absolutely. And um, to get back to sleep practices and self-care, the issue comes in at night. You know, when, when youth has a phone by their bed, let's say their goal is to get restorative sleep. They're exhausted. They're working so hard. There's so much going on in the world and they really just need to rest. So their goal is to get eight hours of sleep and they have their phone by their bedside or even in the bed. And they end up checking uh, social media throughout the night. And I call those tectations, T-E-C-H, tectations, which is it's obvious what it is. So that, uh, those devices that tempt us, that's why they need to be out of the bedroom. So your goal, um, your use of the device is at odds with your goal. And so identifying those tectations and managing them like you would the chocolate cakes are part of... Um, just part of self-growth, self-reliance, self-trust to say you're going to do something and then follow through with it. These are the children uh, that we're raising. And so we need to model that same behavior. And so we need to remember that when we're having the, the conversation on the communication charter is 
to open up that conversation and go, hey, I know social media is an important part of your life. How do you feel that it helps and supports you? Mm-hmm. And then carry that forward to, okay, when does that make sense to do that? How does it make sense to have our devices available? When does it make sense to take a rest from that? Mm. Um, you talked about, you know, the creativity and the support, and there are all these different aspects to it. Last fall, we had Dr. Sandra Dalton on, and she talked about the different types of rest. That it's not just sleep, that we need creative rest and sensory rest and all these different types of rest. And I can see where a device can interfere with multiples of those, even at the same time that it can be an outlet for us and that it can be a good thing. So we need to both experience it and rest from it. Mm, the utopia and the dystopia of technology. For those um, in your audience who have not seen The Social Dilemma, uh, Netflix film, I highly recommend it. And they talk about they talk about all this. There's not one problem and there are many ways to address it. And actually our cert, uh, certification course was recommended as a best practice from the director of that film, Jeff. Um, and so that's another resource for parents if, if they've not seen that. But, you know, it's not a simple answer because there's not one communication charter. You can't possibly encompass everything. So maybe there's one around mealtime. Um, and youth wants to know the science, but they don't want to be told what to do. And they're smart. They understand. So moving slowly with communication charters, start with one around mealtimes or whatever's most important, um, and then really begin to notice and watch where you're engaged, where perhaps you're not as engaged uh, as a parent. Notice, I think it's important to start with our own behaviors and see how difficult and how alluring all of these dev devices are and then to use our um, strategies because willpower will not win. <laughs> there, are, <laughs> there are many neuroscientists and cyber, I mean, these, the people developing these apps are not um, teachers, um, healthcare providers. That is not who's developing these apps. They know very well uh, how to hook our attention. It's an attention economy. Um, so, you know, just noticing your own behavior is really important. I want to say one quote, and that is the price of anything is the amount of life you exchange for it. Mm. And that's, that's Henry David Thoreau. And that is true uh, right now, you know, as much as it's ever been, is what are we, what's the cost? Because to me, it's like the digital all-you-can-eat buffet. You're welcome all the time. Um, they know your favorite foods, shapes, colors, you name it. They know you better than you know yourself quite often. And the longer you stay, the better. Um, and thus the, the need for uh, boundaries around this. And I have something called the digital wellness diet, which I use with my clients. And it's all about goal setting and managing the very things you, you're speaking of, Sandy. So we do need to bring attention there and create boundaries uh, around them, but not in a punishing way, uh, but more from awareness and how to align our behaviors with our goals. Well, and that's why I really love this communication charter idea that you brought up because it's conversation and it is not 
parents telling kids what to do. It's a family sitting down together and saying, all right, technology is in our life and it's a beautiful thing and it does great mm -hmm. things for us. How do we want to use it? And when do we want to take a rest from it? What do we want for our tech siesta? I love the name of your company. Mm. <laughs> I just think that because it's perfect. <laughs> it embodies exactly what we need. It's not, it, it's not turning our backs on technology. It's not saying it's bad. It's just recognizing that we need rest. Exercise mm. is good for us and we need rest. Talk to mm -hmm. any athlete and no matter how hard they work out, they actually build rest into their schedules. It's as essential as the working out is. So it's the same, I think, with technology. And I also love, Kai, the way that you acknowledge the positives in here, that you said, hey, social media is really good for our kids. It helps their creativity. It gives them civic engagement. It gives them a place to support peers. Are there some just other positive aspects of technology that are good for us to be aware of? Sure. Um, and you know, every, there's a, there's a, always a shadow side to things. So obviously cyberbullying and, um, all that stuff, I, I'm not discounting that, uh, but there's so much positive and it's really important, you know, where we place our attention, you know, grows. And so these self-care practices that I teach, um, are just so important in order to navigate the, this area of healthy tech use, but you know, mental health, physical health, quantified health, digital citizenship, making sure that each child has access to um, computers and technology to enable them to grow and learn is really important. Many facets, communication, relationships, environment, the environment um, in which we're learning and our youth is learning is really important. So, you know, technology affects all of this and it's how we will learn to flourish in this di digital era. I think I would, when I have this conversation with my family, one of the things I want to do is ask them, how do you think technology has positively impacted you or us mm -hmm. as a family? Mm. And again, COVID has turned the world upside down and made this so very different. And I'm incredibly grateful for technology during this time, just to be able to stay connected with people who I cannot physically go see at this time. But I think there's more than that. There is, as you said, there's civic engagement. My daughter was looking up ideas for volunteering through technology. And there's some really interesting things happening out there. Things that you wouldn't have outside of that. Um, looking at creativity. I know that, granted, I'm doing work, but I love to go in and play on Canva and make graphics and let, I'm not the most creative person in the world, but that's a creative outlet for me where someone else would go scrapbook, I go create graphics. So technology let me do that. I wouldn't be able to draw those things by myself. I don't have that kind of knowledge or artistic talent to do that. Um, technology gives me the chance to do that. My one daughter makes little videos that are just fun and little memory and photo videos. It's a creative outlet for her. So there is a lot of that and there is a lot of positivity there. And I think that's an important very important piece for us to remember when we're having these conversations. And so we can talk about 
when to use our tech, when to take a rest from it, but also we can talk about, well, how do we want to use our tech? What do we want to use it for? Mm, Yeah. Focusing on purpose um, is very important. Uh, Digital minimalism is a term that refers to using technology uh, that aligns with your values and your goals. And so, and digital maximism is using whatever technology is available because it's fun, it's here. So, you know, where do you land in that and what brings you joy? So speaking to youth about what brings you joy and what do you find challenging and really listening without trying to troubleshoot or solve, but really listening to the difficulties that your child encounters with social media, with other things, with learn, with e-learning, with all of this stuff. Um, and, you know, I hear parents say, well, you know, wait until you get to the real world. Well, this is the real world. And I think it's important for us to um, fully embrace that this is the reality for them. And what can we do to bring them toward uh, resiliency, to bring them more joy, to bring them appreciation and validation of their hard work, um, just in the same way we would want that, to offer that to our children. That's beautiful. And I appreciate the way that you have brought together, you have an extensive background in psychology, including additional study in mindfulness and yoga, trauma, nutrition, massage, and so much. And you've brought that all together to do your work in Tech Siesta, as well as reaching out and working with the Digital Wellness Collective, which I know is a linked through through some of the things that you have on your website. Um, And there's so much that you've brought together here, And again, I'm just going to say, though, that all of it can come together through the family conversation, which Mighty Parents, we hear all the time, right? Have conversations with our kids, really listen to them. And this time, we're going to take that conversation around tech, look at creating that charter or charters. Um, Again, Kai, I love the idea of doing small pieces. For parents who are listening and are thinking, I want a little more info or I want a little help from you, Kai, where can they find you online? Mm, thank you. Well, my business is TechCiesta, T-E-C-H-Siesta.com. I also have a, a business background, developing wellness programs, implementing wellness programs. So I understand the challenges of tech work, kids in the home, et cetera. Um, that's my site. I'm also a teacher for the digitalwellnessinstitute.com, where they offer a 10-week certification program for multi-generations for students parents, practitioners. It is an amazing course and a cultural immersion into this topic so you can better speak to your children. And also the stats I gave you are from Susan Reynolds, who is in charge of lookup.live. And that's the youth-led movement that I encourage you to check out where youth is doing amazing things. They are completely aware of the issues and they are working on best practices. We'll make sure to put a link to that in addition to your website into the show notes so it's easy to find. Thank you so much for sharing all of your insights and your knowledge and all that you've been teaching, condensing it down to get us all started. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And Mighty Parents, thank you for being here. If you found this podcast helpful, please share it with another parent 
so many are frustrated with or struggling with technology. And I know people talk about Zoom fatigue and all of those things. Kai's ideas can help us all. So share the podcast with another parent. And if you rate, review, and share it on your favorite podcast player or on mightyparenting.com, that will also help other parents find this information to make their parenting journey a little bit easier. And if you're here, if you're listening, you are a mighty parent. You got this. And I will see you next week.